so we provide top line exposure for our shareholders to gold mines, uh, which means that we insulate them from operating costs because they're getting a fixed percentage of the revenue. And we enjoy the upside in the gold price, but also enjoy upside in the expiration success of our operating partners. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the show. It's wonderful to have you here. I hope you're doing really well, and thank you for all of your support. I was just talking with my next guest about all of your support and how our uh, listener base is expanding quite rapidly. It is so exciting to know that the show is attracting an amazing audience, and it's uh, making a difference for you, just as our next guest is making a difference in the gold space. Welcome to the show, David Garofalo. Thank you for having me on, Rick. It's good to see you again. Yes, absolutely. You and I spoke, I think it was uh, September last year, and I know that there's been a great deal that has occurred, positive things that have occurred since that time. We're going to do an update uh, on all of those things. But um, I've mentioned earlier uh, offline, David, that our audience base has grown. So I think it's useful for us to go over some old ground, if you don't mind. Would that be okay? Of course. Fantastic. Well, look, uh, where are you calling in from today, David? Vancouver, Canada. Oh, beautiful. And what's the weather like? I know ours is a bit hot over here. Yeah, well, with the tail end of winter here, it's still a bit wet, it's still a bit cool, but uh, summer's on the horizon. See, since uh, last time you and I spoke, David, uh, we've had the festive season and a lot of things might have happened for you personally. Have you had much time to enjoy the festive season? What's, what's happened with you since then? Well, you know what? We got all eight of our kids in town at the same time, and it's been a few years when I was able to get all of them together. And <laughs> uh, and then COVID came through the house, but fortunately we were asymptomatic and and we we're all vaccinated, so got that out of the way. And and uh, I think we started the new year refreshed. So I'd say it was a good holiday all around. Fantastic. Now, um, tell me about uh, where you live. I think uh, the audience would love to know a little bit more about um, where it is that you are. Sure. I live in Vancouver, Canada, which I, I think is the most beautiful city in the world. Of course. I'm but, uh, <laughs> I, live, I live on the side of a mountain uh, overlooking the ocean. It's hard to imagine living in a better place where you can ski uh, in the snow or on the water in the same day in some parts of the year. Yeah, so in the winter months, you do a lot of skiing still. What's, what's happening at the moment? Do you like to go for walks? What else do you do? Yeah, I like to hike um, and I, I run, I do a lot of trail running and I road cycle. You can do that fairly, fairly uh, year round here in Vancouver. The weather's mild enough uh, that I can get on the road quite frequently. Did you find it difficult when, uh, you know, the in-laws came over and, uh, you know, when they left, did you have a great time? Yeah, we did. And, you know, it's, it's a delight, you know, a lot of our kids are adults now and independents. It's a delight to have them all together, even if it's for a short period of time. Yeah, that's fantastic. You mentioned being asymptomatic for, for COVID and, you know, we're all going for our booster shots and this and that. Well, most of us, I'd have to say. <laughs> and uh, I'm wondering, has that uh, changed the way that you operate um, Gold, Gold Royalty Corp? Well, you know, we were born yeah, in, in the COVID period. And so we've been operating in a very disassociated way uh, with uh, some of my team in Toronto, uh, some of them here in Vancouver. Um, and uh, some of them in Quebec and Nevada. So we've been able to operate on a decentralized basis. So 
if anything, the adoption of this technology, Zoom, Teams, and the like, mm. has made life a lot easier for us to operate in this kind of satellite way. And that's ideal for the kind of business that we're running. Yeah, fantastic feedback. Thank you. Now, for anyone who's new on the show with us, now, David is the uh, CEO, President, Chairman, and Director of Gold Royalty Corp. We're going to share what that's all about in a moment. And we're going to be talking about that particular company, about gold and about, you know, impacts of inflation and COVID and all the rest of it throughout this uh, very exciting call. So I hope you're comfortable because um, we're just about to jump right into the core of the call. Now, um, first off, what's happening with Gold Royalty Corp? In fact, I'll go one back a step further. What is Gold Royalty Corp for those who don't know about you? Sure. Well, Gold Royalty Corp is a royalty company focused on precious metals, and we're providing capital to operators, explorers, uh, developers to help uh, either build or expand their existing operations. And we take a royalty back in return. So we provide top line exposure for our shareholders to gold mines, uh, which means that we insulate them from operating costs because they're getting a fixed percentage of the revenue. Mm -hmm. And we enjoy the upside in the gold price, but also enjoy upside in the expiration success of our operating partners. Uh, so to the extent they grow their deposits geologically, uh, we enjoy a royalty on that. So really it's the best of all worlds, upside to the gold price, upside to expiration success without exposure to inflating operating costs, which is a recurring theme in the sector right now. Yes, absolutely. And everybody loves the upside and nobody likes the downside. So if we can avoid it where possible, that is absolutely fantastic. Now, I know that uh, you have a lot of acquisitions going on and at the moment, uh, so much other things we're just about to talk about. But I'm wondering, David, if you could share just for the sake of clarity for new listeners, um, what's your personal background prior to coming to Gold Royalty Corp? Well, I've spent 32 years in the mine development and operations side. I've run a, a number of large cap companies, uh, most recently Gold Corp, which I merged with Newmont back in 2019 to create the world's biggest uh, gold company by production and market cap. That was the, mm -hmm. uh, the largest gold merger in history, $32 billion merger of the two companies. Amazing. Before that, I ran Hud Bay Minerals, uh, which is a, um, a diversified base metal producer based out of Toronto. Um, I ran that for six years and built the Constantia mine in Peru, among other mines uh, in the portfolio there now. And before that, I spent 12 years at Ignico Eagle as CFO during its formative years where we were building six mines at once. So I've been in the business, as I said, for about 32 years on the mine development operation side, but now I've transitioned into the royalty business. Uh, it seems like everything I've been doing for the last 32 years prepared me for this moment. <laughs> where I think royalty space is really going to take off yep. uh, just because I think um, the operators are going to be pressured by cost inflation. Mm -hmm. And I think the best place for you to, to participate in the gold rise that we're going to experience in this inflationary environment is in the royalty business. It provides optimum leverage to the gold price and optimum leverage to exploration success without the exposure to inflating operating capital costs. Thank you. I, I, I'm just wondering if, if we're at an inflation higher of 40 years and, you know, basically uh, people would often buy gold to hedge their bets, as it were. Is that still a good way to go, do you think? I, I really do believe that. And, you know, we're seeing inflation that we haven't seen really since the 1970s. I know the headline number says it's 40 year high, but I would say the headline numbers belie what's really happening on the ground because those CPI baskets tend to exclude the things that are vitally important to us, like food in our stomach, fuel in our cars, and a roof over our head. Mm. That's decidedly in double-digit territories in terms of inflation, those, those key items. 
And so I think we're seeing the kind of inflation we saw in the 1970s. Um, and we're seeing that fueled by expanding money supply, which has really been un unrelenting since the credit crisis over a dozen years ago. Mm -hmm. We're seeing uh, supply chain disruptions. Uh, so that the, the lineups were seen in fuel stations, the empty shelves were seen in grocery stores. We saw that in the 1970s. Um, I wasn't that young. I still remember. I was in my teens. And I do remember that type of phenomenon. And that drove all-time highs in the gold price on a real basis. Even as interest rates were starting to creep up, the gold price reached all-time highs in 1981 of about $850 an ounce. And the reason I say that's an all-time high, because you have to inflation adjust that to today's dollars. Hmm. And if you did, you'd get $3,000 an ounce. So we're not even anywhere near what I think will ultimately be the cyclical high in this inflationary cycle we're experiencing currently. It must be nice, almost comforting to have seen something like that as a cycle, you know, the down part of the cycle, that things are going to have a brighter day. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I think that uh, gold has always been a very accurate barometer of underlying inflation. And I mm -hmm. think the fact that gold has held its value, um, even in the face of double digit inflation, means that it's doing its job. It's preserving your capital, because if you left it in a savings account where you're earning near zero on a nominal basis in terms of interest rates, uh, you know, inflation is insidious. It eats at your capital. You're losing purchasing power to the, to, to the extent of 10% plus per annum, just leaving it standing there, whereas gold is protecting that value in this very low interest rate environment that we're currently experiencing. I'd like to take a bit of a deeper dive into the supply chain issues that we're all experiencing globally. You know, ships are having difficulty getting um, stuff here and there, and, and it's really affecting everybody. The, as you mentioned earlier, um, the uh, grocery store shelves are empty. I'm just wondering, um, all this being related to COVID, how does that impact gold production and the operations of uh, businesses? Well, certainly the mining business has not been immune to these supply chain disruptions. Mm. Um, and so we've seen from time to time, at peak COVID, we saw almost 300 mines globally uh, suspending operations. So there was a significant disruption in mine supply uh, during that period. And we're seeing uh, yeah, scarcity of supplies at the mine site. You know, quite often mine sites are in remote districts and in, in remote camps where you have to fly in uh, materials or bring them in on barges in the summer season. And if those supplies aren't available during those shipping windows, uh, mine sites can be significantly disrupted. So we're seeing evidence of that across the entire industry, and that has disrupted supply of critical minerals. And so we're not immune from that. And it's driving up costs in a dramatic fashion. We've seen some major blowups in capital costs and construction projects in the mining industry. I think that's going to be a recurring theme. And every major producer has sensitized their shareholders to increase in their daily operating input costs. So just to provide an education for those who don't know much about your game, the gold industry and, and things you do, I'm wondering if you could share some of the other types of, you know, inherent risks with gold mining. Well, look, um, from, from discovery to first production, typically for a gold mine, hmm. it could take 15 to 20 years. And the reason that is, is because uh, of a diff more difficult regulatory environment, uh, the difficulty of engaging with the local communities and getting that social license to operate, mm -hmm. uh, that's becoming increasingly challenging. And that is amplified by the traditional risks that we have in the mining business. You know, geologically defining your deposits takes a long time. Uh, engineering 
uh, and making an investment case it takes a long time. Raising the capital this is a very capital intensive business with high barriers to entry. Yep. All of those issues add up to time and yep. time has value. And so it's becoming increasingly difficult to make a strong economic case for building new mines. And that's, that's, um, that's led to a supply squeeze on critical minerals, just as demand is picking up quite dramatically. If you think about it, we're, we're all looking to decarbonize the economy. Well, we need mining to be successful to do that. Metals are critical to decarbonization, you know, namely you know, copper. Um, if you want an electric vehicle, you need three times the amount of copper to produce an electric vehicle than you do a traditional internal combustion engine. Yeah. That copper has to come from somewhere, but we haven't as an industry reinvested significantly in exploration of mine development to provide that increase in supply that, that the market and the economy generally demands. And that's true across the entire uh, entire spectrum of minerals that are required to, to, to make our economy function and grow. So given that you mentioned the increasing demand on gold supply, is it becoming more difficult? And given that, I guess, the time that needs to go by to find this precious metal? No, absolutely. There's a supply squeeze on the gold side. Mm. We haven't seen any significant investment in exploration and mine development for uh, near 10 years now. Um, peak, peak reserves in the industry occurred back in 2012. Since then, we've seen a 40% decline in gold reserves simply through depletion. Yeah. And we haven't replaced them through our exploration efforts and mine development. We've underinvested in that regard. Now it's become an existential crisis, which is why you've seen a, a very big pickup in merger and acquisition activity in the mining business of late, because these larger gold producers, if they're not finding them in the ground, they're going to have to buy it. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to be talking about acquisition uh, momentarily. Now, uh, hence the reason I think also is an obvious reason to be involved as an investor as such in uh, Gold Royalty Corp, because you're one step removed, aren't you? Well, that's right. Again, we're insulated from operating capital costs, risk, but also we have a significant larger and significantly more large diversified portfolio than a traditional operator would. You know, we have 191 royalties in our portfolio. Mm -hmm. No operator can hope to own 191 operations. So we have broad-based exposure from early stage exploration right through to, to production. We have six producing royalties. We have 11 in construction. So we have a lot of growth embedded in our portfolio, a lot of optionality because of all that early stage royalty uh, optionality we have in our portfolio provides embedded growth for the foreseeable future. That diversification is absolutely critical in, in an environment where it's difficult to mine. There's a lot more political risk. There's a lot more fiscal risk around mine sites with higher metal prices. Governments tend to claw back more in taxes. We're insulated from all that because mm. again, we only get a percentage of the top line of the revenue uh, before anybody is paid uh, at the mine site, we get our share of the revenue. And see, that's what really distinguishes us. It's a very low risk way to play gold because you get the upside without any of the downside associated with operating the mine. So you're, um, you're bringing in capital when you're building relationships. Um, and, and on that thought, David, I'm wondering, how does the relationship initially trigger and how do you choose uh, somebody to do business with? You know, it's an excellent question and collectively in our board and management we have 400 years of mine operating and mine development ex experience mm -hmm. uh, within our board and management broadly and that's given us a, a key competitive advantage because one we've been operators and mine developers ourselves so we have a clear-eyed view of the underlying risk 
uh, associated with anything that we invest in. So we can do due diligence, I think, second to none in the industry because of that depth of expertise, yeah. uh, subject matter expertise, and just broad-based industry expertise within that board of management. But also, given the seniority of that group, it gives us, uh, I think, uh, unmitigated, unfettered access to virtually anybody in the industry. That's the opportunity that we have and the key competitive we have, uh, competitive advantage we have relative to our peers in the space. Yeah, it's nice to know you've got competent leaders at the helm of this ship, that's for sure and certain. Thank you for sharing that, Dave. Now I'm wondering, what are some of the significant accomplishments that uh, Groy has actually made this year? Well, you know, it's, it's a great question and it's quite remarkable. We've only been in existence as a public company for 10 months. We IPO in March of last year mm -hmm. with a relatively modest portfolio. We had 14 royalties to start. And on the basis of those royalties, we raised $90 million US and achieved a post money valuation of $200 million. Wow. Having uh, acquired that currency in the marketplace, we went about consolidating what's a very fragmented industry. And we bought three of our competitors last year uh, first, Ely Gold, and then Golden Valley Royalties and Abitibi Royalties. And that allowed us to grow our royalty portfolio from 14 at IPO to 191 today and introduce a significant amount of cash flow mm -hmm. and also allowed us to declare an inaugural dividend 10 months after we, we went public. Very nice. Uh, that will pay a little bit less than 1% yield with the prospect of significant growth in that dividend over time because we have the largest compounded average growth rate and revenue in the industry by consensus estimate with our revenue growing uh, by over 60% over the next three years. So the prospect and the potential to grow that dividend, I think is, is very high. Very exciting times. Now I'd love to, obviously, when you are talking about acquisitions, now I'm wondering when you compare Groy against your competition and you're looking for somebody to you know take on, as it were, what are you, what, what, how are you different to them and what makes them a good partner for you? Well, we're exclusively focused in the Americas at this point and 75% mm. of the underlying value of our business is focused in the two of the best mining jurisdictions in the world, uh, Quebec and Nevada. Um, and so those are uh, the best from the prospect of a high prospectivity, the yep. two of the best gold districts in the world, low regulatory risk and low political risk. And so that gives us uh, a pronounced low risk profile relative to our peers, but also the diversification of our portfolio, 191 well balanced across the value creation chain and the, the mining business from early stage exploration through to production. That diversification is second to none. Uh, we have as many royalties, almost as many royalties as the large cap players in the space, including Franco Nevada, Wheaton Precious Metals and uh, Royal Gold. So that distinguishes us among the smaller cap players in the space. There's always analysts in the picture sitting in the background looking at what uh, the valuation is. And I'm wondering if people are on this call sort of saying, well, how do I know for sure? Where can I go and check this information? What would you say to them? Well, there's a couple of analysts that have already launched research covers, uh, coverage on us, Haywood and E.C. Wainwright. And we happen to be their top pick in the royalty space. Both, both nice. of those uh, investment dealers have, have chosen us as the top performer um, in 2022. We were the top performing royalty stock in 2021. And I, ha I have a feeling given the growth in our revenues and our cash flow over the next uh, year to three years, I think we'll continue to significantly outperform. Um, within our uh, IPO syndicate, we also had BMO, 
We had uh, Raymond James, so Bank of Montreal, Raymond James, CIBC, all of which are poised to launch research coverage on us this year, mm -hmm. which will only broaden our appeal to the institutional investor universe. So what sort of price targets do you think they're aiming at? Um, they're all looking at least 50% upside mm -hmm. in terms of their target prices, which I think gives them the confidence to make us their top picks in the space, uh, the two companies, the two dealers that are covering us. Um, but I'd, I'd urge you to read the research on your own and, and make your own decisions. But uh, I'm delighted with what we built over the last year. And we're already working on the next deal. We launched a bid for Elemental Royalties, which owns um, a royalty on Carlo Linda in Australia and Western Australia, which is uh, Australia's newest gold mine. Um, and that will only complement our portfolio because it brings another tier one jurisdiction to complement what we already have in Quebec and Nevada. Some of the latest things that have happened, you've talked about the definitive agreement for a secured revolving credit facility of up to $25 million. That's very exciting. Tell us about that. Yeah, it is. And, and in addition to that, we have $38 million of cash in the balance sheet. We have no debt. So we have over $60 million of available liquidity between our cash and our credit line. So we're well capitalized to continue to uh, exploit new opportunities on the royalty side. So we'll be active on the acquisition side, whether it's through M&A with some of our peer companies are picking up individual royalty opportunities because of our strong balance sheet. Now, we talked about, uh, you know, our uh, modus operandi, as it were, in terms of uh, working remotely in some respects. But you also have an, another announcement uh, about the implementation of virtual attendance measures for your annual general meeting. What happened there? Well, that's become a common phenomenon now in the COVID <laughs> universe. Uh, nobody's doing in-person AGMs. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're doing ours online. That'll be next week. And I'd urge our shareholders or our prospective shareholders to please join us at the AGM and, and uh, we'll, we'll give you an update on our activities. One of the major things that really stu uh, stood out for me was the acquisition of Elemental Royalties. Tell us a little bit about them and why they were a good fit for you. Yeah, so as I said, uh, Elemental uh, owns a, a number of royalties, nine royalties, uh, which would bring our overall royalty portfolio to 200 royalties, one of which is on the Carlowinda operation, uh, Australia's newest gold mine in Western Australia. Mm -hmm. uh, they also have um, a royalty uh, on Burkina Faso, on uh, a, 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 one of Endeavour's gold mines, a number of other operations that are cash flowing currently. So it certainly complements our portfolio. Of growth, we have significant more significantly more growth than they do. Uh, they have more immediate cash flow, so it definitely complements uh, our portfolio. And as I said, brings another tier one jurisdiction into the portfolio to complement what we already have in Nevada and Quebec, two of the best gold jurisdictions in the world. Now, I, I got fairly excited when I was reading your news releases, and uh, I had to go over it a couple of times as we talked about dividends recently. But you also have your inaugural quarterly cash dividend program. What's that about? So we're paying one cent per quarter, which is just, mm -hmm. just under 1% uh, yield. Yep. And, and as I said, given the, the increase in revenue, we have the highest compounded average growth rate and revenue by analyst estimates of over 60% over the next three years. It gives us the confidence not only to pay this dividend today, but we feel with some confidence we can grow that dividend in the medium term uh, and continue to return increasing capital to our shareholders. So we touched on, uh, I guess, your, your team there. Yeah, you've got, was it 300 years or some amazing amount of years behind your, your leadership team? Is there any chance we could talk a little bit about the people behind the, the team? Well, you know, what's remarkable, and these are all very high-performing high uh, uh, people with deep, deep experience in the mining industry, collectively over 400 years. 
But what's remarkable is we only have six full-time employees and mm -hmm. this is a very scalable business. We could run a business with 10 times the number of royalties with the same number of people. So these are high functioning people with long experience, whether it's in banking, mind development, operations within this small complement uh, and board of management, which gives us uh, the ability to grow the business, get access to opportunities before anybody else sees them. Uh, but also, given the scalability of our business, we don't need to necessarily grow our employee base significantly in order to deliver increasing revenue and growth generally. So when uh, an investor uh, is looking at this, what type of investor are best suited for um, this opportunity? Well, I think anybody that's, um, that's interested in gold as an asset class or looking for ways to invest in gold, yep. I think this is the best possible way to do it. We should all have a bit of physical gold in our portfolio, and I, I certainly believe in that. But if you want leverage to increase gold prices, royalty and streaming companies, and gold royalty in particular, provide you optimum leverage. Because as I said, it gives you upside to the gold price, upside to expiration success, while uh, protecting you from operating and capital cost inflation, which I think is going to be uh, a challenging issue for the operators in our, in our industry uh, for the foreseeable future. So investors are, are often hands off, but many are hands on and they want to, you know, talk directly with the, the likes of yourself. Given that we're doing virtual meetings, how often does that happen? And do investors have opportunities like that? Uh, certainly. I mean, there's a, a number of um, investor meetings that we have in the normal course. There's mining conferences all, all up to this point have been virtual lately mm. uh, but we're starting to see live conferences come back on stream as hopefully the covid crisis uh, goes into our rearview mirror um, and so in the normal course we're out visiting uh, investors uh, either virtually or in person uh, throughout the year on a, a fairly regular basis and we, we're doing uh, we're participating in platforms like yours mm -hmm. to get the message out uh, to a broader retail community um, and uh, what I would say is if you ever have any questions on our business, please visit our website, goldroyalty.com. Very easy to remember. Beautiful. Uh, we answer our emails. We answer our 1-800 number. <laughs> if you have any questions, we'd be delighted to hear from you. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I think that really sums up where we're at today. And, uh, you know, David, it is always a pleasure getting an update from you. And I really do look forward to another opportunity to do this in the near future when we have some more great news coming up. Now, with um, with the next, I guess, uh, three to six months, is there much happening that you can reveal for us? Oh, lots. Um, as I said, we have the bid for Elemental Outstanding. We hope to be able to close that in April. And that'll, again, bring us up another level in terms of uh, the number of royalties, our market cap, our liquidity. Uh, so that's exciting. But our, our operators, our operating partners have a lot of news flow coming over the course of the next six or nine months with updated resources, expansion plans underway, uh, increasing cash flow. Uh, so please watch the space. Uh, when you visit our website, please download our investor deck, our slide deck, and you'll see the many catalysts that we have in our store over the course of the next six months to a year which we think will drive value and hopefully drive increased share price performance. Well, there you go. Everybody who's on the call today, you have it um, straight from us to you. If you're interested in gold, and which you probably should be somewhere along the line, um, you definitely need to go check out goldroyalty.com. And David, as always, such a pleasure spending some time with you in the My Future Business Show. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Rick. Likewise. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. 
And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.